It's the end of the week, and once again, it's time for those two single guys to hang out and talk together. Their relationship is completely platonic. However, they do have their own favorite restaurant that they call their place. It's no commercials, no music, no jingles, and absolutely no agenda. Overlooking the bay at the Curry Condo, I'm Adam Curry. And I'm on the other side of the bay in the cheap seats. I'm John C. Dvorak. <laughs> hey, Johnny. How you doing, baby? Yeah, there you, there's that voice that Calicanis likes. Ah, I got to watch that. It's getting too much of a habit. Hey, man. Uh, good to talk to you. Not like we haven't been talking all week, uh, but at least now. And it's, isn't it crazy that, w- that we've seen each other at least, uh, what is it, three times this week? Um, we've had well, I di- see you every day. You're always roaming around. Yeah, we, anyway, but we've had dinner. We hang out in the stairwell together. and uh, then we're, Whatever then we're, that means. Uh, <clears throat> and, then, <laughs> and then we sit down to do the show, and, uh, and we go to our own individual homes. <laughs> There's something really weird about that, <laughs> isn't it? It's crazy. So the funniest <laughs> people out there should know that uh, the, if you're working at this pod show company, the way you have meetings with Adam Curry is that uh, Adam uh, apparently has been unable to uh, break the habit of uh, imbibing in cigarettes. Yeah, uh, well, and, it's not cigarettes. It's uh, uh, roll my own tobacco. It's a little different. Yeah, he rolls his own tobacco, which is which is old school. My I, my grandfather used to do that with Bull Durham, and I think my dad even did for a while. But whatever the case is, it's a uh, you know the kind of roll your own, and then but the, but since you, there's, there's no smoking environment, he goes into the stairwell. <laughs> And so he smokes that in there. So if you want to have a meeting with him, you can go in there because there's, you know, nobody knows, you know, it's just like the stairwell. It's actually quite interesting. It's nice, it's though, good- because you get my undivided attention, don't you? You get undivided attention, A, and it's also actually not a bad place to have a meeting, except for the fact that the place, the, the stairwell is probably miked. You know, I've gotten so much grief. A, a, first of all, smoking there because, you know, um, this, we're on the, uh, was it second floor? So there's two more floor, floors below us. And, um, uh, they don't like the smell and they don't like the noise and uh, I completely ignore oh, their complaints. Because it didn't help. That was pop. They had some uh, some of those uh, <laughs> uh, bubble wrap. Yeah, but it was not the bu- it was it wasn't the little bubble wrap. It was those big giant ones, like giant pillows. And so, uh, and I, I love those things. I get them all, all the time. And if you if you jump on one of them, it sounds like a like a shotgun blast. Uh, it was no, it wasn't a shotgun blast, but it was pretty damn loud. When's the last time you you pulled the trigger on a shotgun, man? That's a lot louder than that. I pulled the trigger on a shotgun recently. Yeah, really? Yeah, no, I, but I always, you always have the headphones on, you know, the earphones. Oh, right, like, right, right. Where, where do you go shooting? Last time I went shooting was down, there's a there's a shooting place down south of um, Los Gatos. It's a kind of a high-end place I went shooting with somebody and um, who had a great collection. I've all, I, there's these people that they don't even like to talk about it, but there's a lot of these gun guys in Silicon Valley that have these because and they got the money, so they 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 have these collections of some amazing firearms that are extremely expensive. Oh yeah, like you know anywhere between twenty thousand and two hundred thousand dollars. Unbelievable. Well, I, I don't remember anything that quite that high. But sure. There were some, oh yeah. Some forty fives that were just I looked them up afterwards. Are extremely expensive. You got any of and, your own you hardware? Know, also, you know, I shot at Kasul. What's the, is that a? I think it's a Kasul or a Masul. One of these things. There's two. There were two really powerful guns. One was the most powerful handgun in the world that could blow your head clean off, but it wasn't <laughs> a 44 Magnum. Huh. It was this other thing called a Kasul, or it's called a Fireball. Who makes it? And and it's extremely amazing to shoot. It also makes a big fireball out the front. That's for shooting bears. Huh? Who makes and it? Then I shot, Do you know? 
Sorry? Who makes it's it? It's a Russian product. Russian? Oh, okay. I don't know, right, I don't know right, who right. makes it. I'd have to look it up. I, I'm getting caught off guard here. Mm, but okay. anybody out there knows about guns and knows about this thing. And then there was, it, it, it seems to be on the edge of, it was designed to be on the edge of, extre- of like either firing this, this big bullet at high velocities or, or blowing up the gun and killing you at the same time. Oh, that's it's nice. Spread at the edge of that possibility. <laughs> and then I shot an elephant gun. Holy <laughs> shit, that, that must have set you back. Uh, it was funny because when you shoot it, you have a, uh, that you get all, you put a big pad on because this thing is going to On your huge, shoulder, absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you put this huge thing on and then you shoot the thing. And if you can manage to stand up, uh, you're a lucky, lucky camper. But oh the, shit! Who's calling you now? Don't they know we're doing no agenda? Don't I, they know I'm it's gonna, Friday? I'm gonna hang up. On. Yeah, well, no, 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 if it's your wife, then pick it up. It's okay. If it's not, meanwhile, we'll just uh, we'll just play a little bit of hold music while John is uh, checking out uh, who's on. All right. Maybe we'll cut that out. Maybe. I'm back. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I was so anyway. Well, you can cut that out if you can, but if you don't have to, I'm not going to anyway. cut anything out. That's work. Are you crazy? Okay. Well, anyway, so so anyway, so so I shot this thing, and I actually hit the target. And the guy says it was. A, believe me, which wasn't an easy thing to do because to hold this thing steady because it yeah, weighs like yeah a hundred pounds. You know, you're holding it. You're just kind of hoping that as you as as you pass across the target with the muzzle, that you you might get lucky and hit this the target, I'll which t- is I. 100 yards away or something. When uh, when I went to Iraq, I don't know if I ever told you this story. Um, you know, we were there for a whole week, or actually 10 days, and uh, the day before we were supposed to leave, uh, the Dutch Marines who had been with, we, you know, of course, you're in the desert, you know, so you there's a, a uh, there's a brotherly thing that happens, obviously, when you're in that situation. And I said, all right, guys, uh, um, today, final day, we're going to go do something special. And they had uh, uh, two Land Rovers, and one of the Land Rovers had a little uh, little cart behind it, a little uh, little trailer, and they took us into uh, you know not far from the from the base camp actually into the desert, and uh, it turned out they took us to their practice shooting range. They took the tarp off of this trailer, John. There were like 20 AKs in there. There were Tech Nines. Oh, nice. Uh, um, hand grenades. And I was amazed how hard it is to hit something with a machine gun. It's really difficult. You know, you, so basically, you, you know, what they do is they put um, spoiled water in water bottles. They line those up. And, uh, you know, and you, first you try it in single shot mode. And I'm, actually, I'm a pretty good shot, actually. Single shot mode, I'm, I'm good and I can hit some stuff. And then it's like, okay, that was fun. Now squeeze this fucker off, empty it. And uh, okay, and like, and I didn't hit anything. It's really hard to aim with a machine gun. It's not easy. I shot a Mac. It's a friend of mine had had a he has a collection of gangster guns, and, I, and he had a Mac Ten, oh, which nice. is that little crazy little thing. It's mm-hmm. got no targeting on it or anything, and it just spits bullets every which way. It's just a it's the worst dog of a gun. I mean, yeah. it's just the stupidest thing. It's kind of fun to shoot. But anyway, back to my elephant gun. So I shoot this elephant gun right. So bang, hit the target. Uh, padding and all the rest of it. The next day, my entire chest was one huge bruise. bruise. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, and that yeah. was through the padding. I mean, it was just like I look. I wake. I get out of taking a shower, look in the mirror, go, "Holy crap!" Yeah. My whole right side of my my body is a big giant bruise from this thing. I got to tell you, I I I, and I own a couple of uh, guns, but they're mainly collector's items. And um, although the uh, I have a side by side twenty gauge, which has been in the family for a long time, and I have shot that, uh, and I still have ammo for it. 
Um, but I, I've, I've been lucky enough to go out with a couple of uh, folks in England, which, of course, you know, quintessential hunting, right? These guys really know. I mean, you got gun clubs that are just unbelievable. And, you know, the way they treat these shotguns, it, you know, it's like, here's my baby. And, you know, and you don't want to put your finger on anything, but exactly here's where you hold it because you could ruin some of the of the beautiful detailing on the on the side of it and yeah uh, it's it's a great experience but i have to uh, you know i have to admit after um, only an hour of shooting uh, i was hurting i was really really hurting on my shoulder and uh, same thing you know you wake not as bad as the elephant gun i'm sure but you wake up and you definitely have a bruise yeah it's one of those things you, you, you it's it's a uh, it it has they have kicks a lot of them some oh, of them yeah. you know if you if you hold a shotgun right you shouldn't really get too beat up by it but Anyway, so uh, what else is going on this week? Well, we had a, that? let me think. Uh, well, we actually had a quick chat in the stairwell today, and it was like, oh, we got to talk about this, talk about that. And uh, let me see, you lost the notes, is, uh, am oh, I yeah. correct? Yeah, yeah. no, I, and yeah. I'll come up with them, and of course, they'll be meaningless <laughs> in about two or three more days. No, I remember what we were talking about. We were talking about um, uh, CDI. Oh, well, wait, stop, wait, stop, stop. Let's stop, the, stop everything. I, I know exactly what we should talk about. Your last entry into the United States Oh yes. Customs. Oh, okay. Good. Yeah. Well, it was uh, it was new this time, and I did talk about it briefly on the Daily Source Code, but I didn't get into into everything. So um, here I am. I, um, I go, you know, uh, deep plane. Um, I line up, and uh, I, it's funny because I was, you know, I, I avoided the woman as you suggested. There was a woman, uh, a female uh, uh, customs border patrol agent. I avoided her, and uh, unfortunately, the one that opened up looked like a really cranky guy. Uh, so I walked up to him and uh, said, "Hey, how you doing? Uh, good afternoon, or good, uh, yeah, good afternoon. Top of the morning, Gov. Top of the morning. How you doing? <laughs> uh, and you know, they always say, uh, how long are you going to be here?' So, and I, then I put put down my passport. He sees that I'm American, and uh, he uh, goes to the computer. And uh, uh, once again, that bewildered look and the tap, 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 tap. Now this guy did something different. He picked up the phone. And he called someone, and this other guy came over, and now two of them are in this little cubicle looking at uh, looking at the screen. And gosh, it's so it's so annoying that you can't see what's happening on the screen because they have those anti glare filters. Yeah. And uh, and then the other agent says, mm, her, her, and he says, well, baggage check. And uh, so the guy writes down BG on my customs form, and then he crosses it out by his own accord. The, the other guy left, and he puts an M on it, which I, and I know I know what that is. By the way, I'll get to that in a second. So, um, of course, go get my bag, and then uh, I walk up to the, uh, to the officer, and I said, uh, nah, I think I'm uh, good for a secondary. I got another W, uh, another upside W, I actually said, seeing if, he, if I could get a reaction, if it was supposed to be a W or an M. And I said, shall I just go over to the C area? Because I know the whole drill now. He's like, hey, um, does this happen often? This is before I get to the secondary screening. I said, yeah, this is like the eighth time. He says, you know, maybe your passport number is similar to something else. That, that's what it could be. You should ask the officer. So, uh, Officer Okada, uh, I think he might have been uh, Hawaiian, maybe. Sound, he looked looked like he might might have been from Hawaii, and uh, he was kind of slow, and you know, was asking me questions, and and he was going, hmm, hmm. This is, uh, and and he started asking an array of really interesting questions. And you know, meanwhile, I'm really friendly. I'm telling him about you know how this has happened before, and uh, and he says, oh wait a minute, I can't log in on the, on this machine. We can't actually log in ourselves. Please come over to this side uh, where the other guy was still logged in or something. Really unprofessional stuff. And uh, he says, hmm, okay. Uh, do you have any other ID on you? 
And then I go through the whole thing again. So, well, you can ask for a business card. Here's my business card. Uh, do you have another picture ID? I said, um, no, all I got is my uh, my Dutch driver's license, which uh, works all over the world. And I uh, said, hmm, yeah, you don't have a California driver's license? No, I don't. Any other picture ID? No, no. But here's my pilot's license. I love pulling that one out. I love. I doing wonder. That. I wonder if a Costco card would count. <laughs> does this have, does it have a picture on it? Yeah. Oh, really? <laughs> I gotta get one. <laughs> I gotta get a Costco card. And um, he says, uh, "Have you ever been to Nebraska?" Now, this is the first time I've got a question like this, right? I'm like Nebraska. That's wild. Yeah. I'm like, uh, no. Do you know um, Laura Rand, who has uh, a uh, who has a private aircraft? Like, uh, I don't think so. Actually, I was I was a little stupider than that. I said, "Well, you know, I fly myself, so maybe I've met. <laughs> maybe I met her in the bar. Yeah, in jail." Um, and uh, and he was actually he was quite friendly. And and it's funny because as he's tapping around in this thing, he's like. Um, he started telling his own life story to me, which I found qu- pretty incredible. He says, you know, um, I'm actually, uh, I got into this a couple of years ago because there was this big, I used to work for Honda USA and I found out that uh, the management was skimping on security measures to save money and I was a whistleblower and I always wanted to be in law enforcement. I'm like, cr- all he needs now is a big bunch of keys, you know, it's like, this is the perfect guy for this job. Yeah. And, um, and I said, you know, I would really appreciate it if you could, you know, if you could tell me a little bit about what's what's going on, because not knowing what's happening is, is pretty much the worst thing. He says, well, you got to match. And of course, now that now I know that's what the M stands for. And I said, well, what do you mean? He says, well, uh, we are looking for uh, someone who has, and it goes in this order. He says it goes last name, first name, birth date. He says we get three matches. We get Curry, Adam, and then your birth date or something very close to it. And uh, I said, well, you know, I, I don't know what to tell you, man, but every single time I'm, I'm let through. And he says, well, let me go check with the TL. And I'm like, oh, that you must meet the team leader. He says, yeah, yeah. So he goes, the team leader is the only one, apparently, who can log in deeper into the system. And he says, oh, yeah, there's all kinds of notes about you and all kinds of entries. I said, yeah, well, clearly, um, the, you know, you, you're just matching very close to someone that we're looking for. And, so uh, well, let me stop you here. So in other words, what you're saying is that, because uh, you never mentioned this part, TL is a code word that you could probably throw at people, like for pe- anyone trying to get, you know, getting hassled. Like, say, can, I t- can, can I talk to the TL? Exactly. In fact, he suggested, he said, next time uh, this happens, when you walk up to the first agent, just ask for a TL. And the TL can, can, uh, can go right into the screen and we'll see all of this information. So ah, that, that's actually a really good thing. Uh, but what good. but what is disconcerting is that there's apparently an Adam Curry out there um, who they're looking for. And and uh, actually, a number of listeners to the Daily Source Code have done some searches and they've come up with uh, with a, there's one guy who's at AdamCurry.net. Um, and no one really thinks he's the right guy. But there's another one that that's a, a closed off MySpace page. Uh, meaning you have to befriend the guy first and he has to befriend you. And it's a scary, goatee-wearing, crazy-looking guy. And is he he's from Nebraska. Yes, he's from Nebraska. Is he your age, though? Is he older? No, he's 23. Now, uh, that's what's kind of freaky. Now, 23, 43, remember, there could be, you know, it still both ends with a three. Um, of course, I look 23, so you can only imagine that that's, uh, there's some confusion there. But we, we it, it, now this whole ordeal, John, took an hour and a half, the longest mm. I've ever been there. This guy was also just really, really slow. So um, 
I guess the next time I come in, I'll just try the uh, the TL thing if I can talk to the team leader. But in the meantime, I- I'm going on a quest. I got to find out who this Adam Curry guy is in uh, Nebraska. It's bugging me. Yeah, I would think. So interesting. And uh, yeah, well, so it, sorry. At least they didn't shoot you. <laughs> no, they're not going to shoot me. But I did. Uh, I did have. Um, I was glad that they, did, that they didn't open up my bag because I know that you know Patricia, my my wife. I love her so much. Uh, she uh, she had done she had done something I always tell her not to do. She had put a whole bunch of food in my bag, like cheese and stuff, all the stuff you're not allowed to take take into the country. Oh, that's uh, funny. Yeah, they didn't open it up though, so I've been enjoying some nice uh, Gouda cheese here uh, during my stay. You know, we do have Gouda cheese here in the Bay Area. We can get. Uh, I you know what, John? The way you are with wine, I am with cheese. I am. I have to say, a cheese expert. Well, I could be. Uh, do you, where do you get your cheese in, in England? Um, there's, well, sometimes we're lucky and we can find it at uh, Sainsbury's. They might have a good... We've done a lot of experimentation because we're really into the aged uh, Dutch Gouda. So not the really, really old age stuff, but you have to have like uh, medium matured. And sometimes you can find a cheddar that comes kind of close. Um, but by and large, hey, there it is. By and by large, large. Hold on a second. Let me let the date. Okay, go on. Of when I said it? Yeah. Okay. By and large, uh, Marks and Sparks, Marks and Spencer uh, will have something pretty what good. What about Harrods? Don't they, they, last time I was, they had this huge, they, they have like a room of cheese. Yeah, they do. And we've done some cheese, chase, uh, tea, some cheese tastings there because uh, they'll do that for you. You know, let me have a little bit of that. Let me try that, some of that. We've gotten some fantastic uh, gouda from Harrods, but Harrods is in the city and we're, you know, we're, uh, we just live in Guilford. It's uh, in the sticks. And we are, you know, big consumers of cheese. We still have from Christmas, uh, my sister Willow in Italy uh, gave us this huge chunk of Parmesan cheese, which is, oh man. I mean, I can. Yeah, I, a great Parmesan from Italy, it bought in Italy, where you can't have that stuff. You know, people don't realize when they, you go to a deli in Italy, they'll have the whole place will be filled with giant things of Parmesan, yeah. and there are like a hundred different versions of yeah. it. I mean, it's different vendors. I mean, and what you do is it's so good, you just wind up, you know, like what can we make tonight that we can put Parmesan on? <laughs> you know, and and I find myself actually breaking off a hunk and just eating it. It's so yeah, good. I've done the same thing, but th- oh. that's you can't actually that type of Parmesan, that really good, excellent. Parmesan. I don't think I've ever had it in this country. I just don't think they bring it I don't in. Think, I don't think you can get it. It, it has to almost grow and mature uh, in Italy. Otherwise, it just doesn't work. You know, it, it, it's something about it. It's like, it's like great mozzarella is the same thing. I find great mozzarella in, in Italy. You just can't. Well, actually, there was a, a small place in New Jersey run by Italians, of course, uh, that came pretty close. There's a Texas, uh, of all places, in Dallas, Texas, there's a place that makes cheeses outside of the uh, that little the funky little area. I can't think of the name of it. Uh, Deep Ellen. Uh, it's in the Deep Ellen area, and there's a cheese maker in there. Then they make a buffalo mozzarella, the real mm. stuff from water buffalo milk. Yeah. And it's absolutely one of the best cheeses I've ever had in the country. But, yeah, uh, yeah it's hard to come by. But now we're talking about food. I want to. I might as well bring up this. Have you noticed, and I was just, I don't know why this came to mind, but it did. Uh, oh, I, why it came to mind, because I'd made some tea earlier, and then I was drinking it after I put the milk, and then the bags were in there, and I'm like, oh, yuck, you know, I took mm-hmm. the bags out with the. Mm-hmm. I, I, when I was at the London Book Fair, it was a number of years ago, it was when the first time I saw this, and then I was hanging out with some uh, 
some Brits that are in the that were working for Tech TV, and I saw it again, which is the uh, the the uh, making of tea, uh, where where the milk is in the cup. Yeah, it's tea bags put in, and then the hot water's put on top of that with the milk already in it. Well, actually, the way you're supposed to do it, I've been told, is you first put the sugar in, then you put the tea bag in, then you put the milk in, and then you pour on the water. That's this the way the, I've been told. This is a this I, I this is not the right. There's no way that that could be an appropriate way to make tea. It, it never will brew right. Well, it's not the way I like to make tea, but it's I have heard that um, you certainly need to put sugar first, then milk. Maybe you can no, pour the brewed sugar, tea but over this there. Beside the point, once that oil of the milk is inside the tea, the, the, you can't get penetration. You can't get the kind of extract. <laughs> can't get you penetration. <laughs> Now, you what I'm saying is that you get this oily coating on top of those tea leaves has got to prevent the proper extraction of the tea elements from with the boiling water. It just doesn't make any sense that you would do this. I was and I've told never it, seen it before it had something, until recently. It had, I was told it had something to do with the acidic quality of something. Uh, I don't re- exactly remember what it uh, was. Somebody's going to have to give us a, a lowdown on this. A real way, yeah. Truth, it's only recent that I've ever seen this. I've been going to England for 30 years, and it's not like I've ever seen this before. Now I'm seeing it, and I'm seeing it, but it's, but it's like, and I have to say this. I'm not seeing it being done by anyone over the age of 30. I'll say one thing that really bugs the hell out of me. Americans who walk around the office with a huge oversized mug of tea with a tea bag hanging out, that pisses me off. Why? Because it's, it's lame. Because it looks stupid? It's <laughs> lame. You don't leave your tea bag in. Well, and, and you'll see women doing it more than men, actually. And it's kind of like this. It's almost like a like a yuppie thing. But it is so incredibly lame. How can you walk around with a tea bag still in it while you're drinking it? Like it's supposed to get better with it with, uh, as you get to the bottom. It's, it makes no sense to me why people do this. Hmm. You've never I've seen never that? Know- no, well, I mean, I'm sure I've, I may have, but I haven't really noticed it, and I've not been as annoyed oh, I, as oh, you are. Oh, 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 big annoyance. I don't think it's that big. I mean, any worse than the guy with the big, giant, oversized mug of coffee just yeah, standing that's, around that's just going, yeah, 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 yeah. How about those TL reports? Um, uh, by the way, I'm drinking some uh, Yorkshire, uh, I'm sorry, um, Sainsbury Red Label that you recommended. Uh, Patricia gave well, me a whole I, I bag. I didn't recommend it as anything good. I just recommended it as It's not it bad. A, it's not bad. I'm liking it. Hmm. A lot of people do like it. I've, I've had it numerous times. I was going to mooch some from you so I could remind myself what it I'll tastes like. I'll bring some in Monday. I switched should... over to the PG Tips Gold. Oh, you should have told me. I, I have a whole bunch. I'll bring some in Monday for you. Okay, well, I'll be back on Tuesday and you won't be there. So. No, I'm going to be in L.A. on Tuesday. Ugh. I'll be in Wednesday. Wednesday, I'll yeah, bring okay. it in. I'll bring it but in. But whatever the. But anyway, the point is, is that I've got, I've really pretty much switched over to PG Tips Gold, which is their yeah yeah. You know, yeah I'm extra fifty cents. What I'd like you to just uh, now that you had a chance to see it, John. What do you think of my new setup that I've been harping on? I'm, I'm so proud of. I showed it to you today at the office. Have you uh, talked about this on the daily source code? Well, yeah, to a certain extent, but you know, I don't want to bore people with the with the technicalities of it. So I thought maybe it'd be fun if you could just tell people your impression. You said something yeah, pretty what, funny what today about done, it. even though you know we're to the eavesdroppers out there who really care. <laughs> I don't know how many there are. <laughs> nah, but someone the, cares. He's managed to put a number of uh, uh, software packages in a linked manner uh, that 
turns uh, his Apple Macintosh, and you can. Everyone would say, "Well, you know, I've seen a million ways you could do that. You can get cakewalk. You can do this. You can do that." I have never seen anything quite as spectacular as this lash-up, which includes a little piece of hardware that you got from some German company, yeah. which is a unique uh, device to say the least. And you're also using software that not a lot of people are aware, of, which is also German. Almost everything you've got is German. Yeah. Uh, and then you've managed to hook it all together in some virtual sense, and it's. It's a, it's a phenomenal uh, lash-up, maybe the best I've ever seen for, for a portable lash-up. I mean, it's beyond uh, anything anything commercially available. It's what, amazing. What was what was funny, what you said today when I was showing it to you, because essentially what I, you know, the the big deal about this is, I, you know, now I have like a tactile control over the software because I'm using the Fader Fox uh, external MIDI controller. So I have real faders and they, they don't do anything. They don't control any actual volume other than controlling the software that controls volume. So right. I have these uh, faders that go up and down and I have a cross fader, which allows me to, with my thumb kind of switch between, you know, views so I can go to a, like a, a cart deck, if you will, so I can fire off different, uh, uh, different audio files and you said all you need now is like the symbols between your knees <laughs> like a one-man band you know i got the drum pumping on my foot i've got the symbols between my knees and it's true but it, it is it's working and i've been doing these live shows um which you know to some degree or you know it all depends on how good the content is uh, obviously but the uh, the ability to um you know to just bring someone live it's it's it is exactly what i've always wanted i have a radio studio in one box on my computer it has taken me years to get this far and i'm just yeah you claim that it took you three years to put this together well and and it's not just uh, understanding how to put it together but it's really been a combination of the hardware and the software uh, all coming together in this wonderful nexus and it's just barely making it you know the the processor is really taxed um uh, but to to do it without any latency or almost zero latency in other words when i speak uh, I'm hearing my voice slightly delayed in my headphones, but I am hearing the full output signal, including all the processing. So I know what people are going to hear when they listen to it at home. And that, of course, because what people don't realize is, and, and I think in podcasting, people don't realize this, that um, there's more to it than just, okay, I got a microphone, I can play something. It's that mix. You know, I'm, I'm literally creating an end mix while I'm doing all of this. And that and that's always been, that's what, I, what I've done all my life, you know, is I want to create this one sound of everything that all kind of flows together. And you have to be able to manipulate the, the levels, even it's minute, but still those levels are very important. Yeah, no, I think you nailed it. I mean, not only that, but listening to just you, you know, running through it, it has a, a, a slick professional studio sound that sound, it, it indicates you got two or three engineers working on it. I mean, it's just uh, amazing. No, I have I'm, to say. Okay, so um, we're going to patent it. Yeah, absolutely. It's a patentable thing, I think, because I, I sent you an email. I don't know if you got it. Yeah, I did. Uh, what was it about, about something some else? Crackpot should... patent somebody sent us a note on. Yeah. And as soon as I saw that, I said, oh, that's unbelievable. We're going to patent everything. <laughs> we might as well. <laughs> we could be rich from the show, John. All we have to do is patent the process. It's, it's doable. Yeah. If there's something unique about it, it hasn't been done before. So have you done anything else this week uh, the outside of, you've been in the office a lot, actually. Is that just to, uh, to please me? To look, yeah, to no, look, I don't go in the busy? office ever. <laughs> Only when I'm in town? <laughs> <laughs> I go in the office. I go in the office because we're trying to get some stuff done. Yeah. And um, 
I can actually sometimes get more work done in the office, but I can't do a you know, the problem with that office that is it's noisy. And when the yeah. programmers in the afternoon about for some reason about two or three o'clock in the afternoon they start getting boisterous. It's really mm-hmm. weird. Good word. And boisterous. Once in a while today it wasn't the case. They were all I don't know where they were. But some these programmers are extremely noisy and they start yucking it up and they make a lot of racket. Yeah, and, but uh, they're having a good time because uh, they seem to be. Yeah, maybe they should be programming more and having less. Uh, of a good time That's <laughs> what am I saying? Oh, you like, know what? You missed. Luckily, you, only one programmer in that place listens to this show. It's too bad that uh, that you were in the office uh, this afternoon because there was an, uh, an amazing guy. Um, his name is uh, Steve Spinner, and um, I don't know if you know his name. He's been around the valley for uh, for a long time. I think his uh, his wife is a uh, is a partner at one of the big law firms uh, here in the valley. And uh, Ron knows him. He's had dinner with him a couple of times. You know, he's, he's affiliated with Kleiner Perkins, etc. But he is, um, he's been working in the uh, o- Obama camp. In fact, I think that he, I, I don't know the exact number, but I'm, I think he's responsible for raising several million dollars worth for this campaign. Um, which is, you know, and I said, oh, you're, um, you're a bundler. He said, oh, God, you know the word. I hate that word so much. Because that's what essentially does it mean? a bundler. Um, is so so the maximum amount you can donate to a campaign. In fact, uh, is twenty three hundred dollars. You can do it uh, if someone's running. I'm not quite sure what the rules are, but the maximum I guess is forty six hundred in Obama's case because you can donate to the the primary and whatever. So <clears throat> there's a limit to it. So when you hear someone say, you know, um, the fundraiser, you know, raised a uh, million dollars, what that means is someone stood at the door. And took twenty three hundred dollar checks from each individual that came in because you you know legally you just can't give out any more money and you know and so that's called bundling and then you hand off this bundle of checks and you know that amount so if you if you get a thousand of them then you have uh, you know two point three million dollars and and that's how this money is raised it's not like you know some uh, some person can write a million dollar check which I think by the way a lot of people don't know um, that that works that way here in the in the United States. And uh, he had some fascinating, absolutely fascinating stories to tell. And I asked him point blank, I said, you know, so are you guys worried about uh, about the superdelegates who, of course, have the opportunity to vote uh, for whichever candidate they want, regardless of what uh, what took place in the primary? He said, absolutely not. Obama is in. It's done. He even expects that Hillary will drop out um, in a week and a half. After the uh, Ohio. Texas, Ohio. Yeah, Ohio. He, he, um, he says Ohio, he's pretty sure they'll win. Uh, he says Texas still could be a close call, but he has the feeling that she'll drop out uh, either right before or right after. And he was giving me all these uh, all these quotes from, uh, I don't know if you saw the debate uh, last night. Yeah, yeah. Well, I heard, I saw the transcript. I didn't see the debate. Oh, you really miss a lot of context. Um, if you, uh, you if know, you I agree it. with that, but I don't have time to watch this crap. So, um, I mean, if I'm, my money's on McCain anyway, so why should I care? Well, no, I mean, no, hold on a second, because you still uh, wrote down uh, and you predicted that it would be Hillary and she would um, ask Obama to be VP. Yeah, I'm sticking with that. That's Even though gonna, now it's a long shot. It's a, <laughs> I think it's a real long shot. And I said, so who's going to be uh, Veep? And he said, uh, I don't know, we'll probably get some older white guy from the South. And I said, how about Ron Paul? <laughs> <laughs> you never let up. I like that consistency. He, he did not. He did not think that was funny. By the way, <laughs> he said, "You know, Ron Paul's anti-Israel." 
I said, I, I don't know about that, man. I, I don't I, think that's true. I think that's just they, they, Ron Paul has been uh, besmirched. Yeah. Well, it was days that whole newsletter thing that has been popping up for 10 years. So I didn't get into it with him, but uh, I did. You know, I, uh, it was it was pretty awesome. He had he had some really, uh, really good stories. And he said, you know, Clinton's they yeah, really I wouldn't have been invited to the meeting anyway. I didn't miss anything. I would have totally introduced you to this guy. He's, he's awesome. And he's clearly uh, well connected. And yeah, no, but everybody at Kleiner Perkins, there's a bunch of, Kleiner, a lot of people don't realize a lot of, these are some of the richest people in the world over there. And they're all, for the most part, not all of them, but there's an off, the most active, politically active people over there are all Democrats. Democrats, yeah. Yeah, except for Ray Lane, who's, uh, who's our major guy uh, at Kleiner Perkins. He is uh, a gun-toting, card-carrying Republican for sure. Well, he's one of the few. Yeah, I think he's the only one. <laughs> yeah, no, the rest of them are all the big time dim. Big, you know, they're, 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 you know, a lot of people don't realize they say, so, "Well, you know, the Republicans represent the rich." Not Most true. Of the re- super hyper rich people I know are all Democrats. Yep. And you to go to the Duponts, the Hursts, all these people that have like tons of money are all Democrats. And I have my own kind of basic theory about it. Let's hear uh, it. Which, well, I don't want to annoy the Democrats, but it's because. They want to keep every because the Democrats are really a status quo company. They don't want to bring anybody up and make them rich. Uh, the Republicans want to make everybody rich. The Democrats don't because the Democrats' real voting base are are people with with no money. That's where they get all their votes from, and they want mm-hmm. to keep them there because if they got money, they're going to switch parties. Yeah, and uh, so so it's just like you know it's a no win situation. That's why I think the party has to be dissolved. The Democratic Party? Yeah, I think it's over. I don't think the party works anymore. Well, you know, if uh, if if Hillary is uh, if if you know, so what was he saying? I'm trying to think. Wait a minute. There was, oh man, I'm trying to think now. He said there was something that had never never been done before, and if she pulled that trick, it would it would break up the party. It was something about some other type of delegate, not the super delegates. Oh, I oh, should have paid you- more attention. He had some other some other angle that the Clintons could potentially pull to make. To still get the nomination, oh shoot, man! I'm sorry. I, I, I well, I think they're going to. Well, you can. You'll find out later. Yeah. We'll talk about it some other time. Yeah. But with the, the, I think I still think that she has a shot at this. You know, sneaking out of this thing uh, as a winner. Well, and if I were her, though, well, yeah, she doesn't know. have a choice. I mean, she's either going to make it this time, or she's never going to make it. No, but she could just save face and then go back and and make New York a great place, you know? Stop. That was never the idea. No, it's not the idea, but I think and they spent like 130 million dollars. It's it's obscene. Well, she can't stop now. Obscene the amount. Well, of course she can stop. No, she's going to have to stick this out. You think she's going all the way. Wow. Well, according to Steve, it was uh, it was a no-go. Uh, he said a week and a half and she's out. I thought that was very interesting. Well, I'm glad that they have hyper confidence in the whole deal. I mean, I'm not taking bets on this, that's for sure. I'm, I'm taking bets on the on the overall election, but not about who's going to win this part of it. But it would it would actually surprise me. I mean, I, let's say it this way: I wouldn't be surprised if she somehow, you know, won anyway. Well, there is a way uh, for her to do it, apparently. So there was still. I think the Republicans would rather have Obama running because I think they can get more goods on him. So you, you have th- to deal with. So you I'm think sorry. that, well, I was going to say, so if, if Obama wins the, uh, the Democratic uh, nomination, and let's say Hillary is not the VP, he gets some, he gets some uh, old white guy from the South, you still think McCain will win? Oh, yeah. Really? 
There, I don't think there's even a snowball's chance in hell that he can win. Yeah, he has the personality of a dish rag, man. It is just he's bumming me out. Who McCain? Yeah. <laughs> there's somebody was doing an imitation of him. Rush Limbaugh's got some guy who ridicules him in this, and the voice is perfect. I think it's a voice I could do. I'm going to work on it. Okay, good, 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 good. Ooh, that's nice. You know, it's better than the other voice that nobody seems to like, at least your fans. I will say uh, that, you know, obviously, you know, I'm a constitutionalist, and, and I would love nothing more than someone who would uh, at least attempt uh, to bring back a lot of uh, uh, the concepts of the Constitution. But if I had to choose between McCain and Obama, I would much rather go with Obama, who has, at least he brings a positive vibe. You know? Yeah, right Jeez. now. But, yeah, but you know, through six months from now, when they, when they go after him and they start bringing stuff out and the guy starts getting tired, you know, we're going to see a different Obama. And that, yeah, that's the, but he's a young guy, man, compared to McCain, 73, you know. I think he's going to be a better president in 2012 than he's going to be this run. If the Democrats get in because of the natural economic cycle if the democrats get in uh in this year and then the economy tanks which it's going to do yeah. no matter who's president you almost can't stop that they're going to be blamed and they're never going to be another democratic president in our lifetime oh, the yeah. democrats have to hope to god that they don't win this time <laughs> well, so what are we going to do for these four years when the when the economy tanks we're just going to have well, to well, live it's going to be it? a 10-year down cycle so there's not going to be a four-year thing to worry about oh yeah yeah uh, because this is the big one. This is the 80-year cycle. There's an 80-year massive depression cycle that's worldwide, actually. And this is the one coming up. And it results in a 10-year stagnation period of stagnation that is un unbelievable. And I mean, when, when the last time it happened in the 20s, or the 30s, actually, uh, we, you know, unemployment was around 40%. There were bread lines everywhere, riots and all kinds of things. Uh, you know, it was a, it was grim, and I don't see that being any different. And it usually ends. By the way, American history is interesting because the the eighty year cycle is always marked with a war at the end of the the, the of the depression. And mm -hmm. that we had, if you look at our, our if you take the the eighty years, you go to seventeen eighty, we had the American Revolution, then you had eighteen sixty, then you have which is the Civil War. You had another eighty years, you got World War Two, and you got another eighty years, which is twenty twenty. You're gonna have something. I mean, it's just it's like clockwork these cycles and the one and it's always a bad situation and this is what we're going we're headed toward and if the democrats are in office that's just they're just gonna get blamed for everything the only difference is i i believe and certainly the data seems to support it that this is not just a u.s uh tanking of the economy the entire world is about to just go into major yeah, no, but we're so insular, insular here in the u.s that we're not gonna we don't care about the rest of the world anyway yeah everything is going to go into the tank everything's like you know we got all kinds of issues china's going to be really screwed and then uh but we're going to still blame whoever our president is and yeah. if it's obama that's going to be you're never going to see another democrat ever hmm well i don't know man I don't. I don't know what to say. All I know is that the, the it's all you know. Hey, it's only a theory. Yeah, I'm. I'm just really worried because I'm seeing all of these, uh, all of these issues with the the credit crisis. Which uh, I think did we talk about this earlier, maybe over dinner about the um, uh, the auction based credit? Did I tell you about that? Yeah, you were talking a little bit about. it. I wasn't paying much attention. Um. So there's a three hundred billion dollar credit marketplace, which is called the auction uh, credit market. And the way it works is, um, actually, the example that I read about, someone sent it to me. I should look his email up. Um, 
the Port Authority in New York. You know, it's very. By the way, you know, borrowing money to finance. You know, debt debt is important in running a company. You know, it's Absolutely. important to grow. I mean, you can, almost can't live without debt. There's very few companies that can do it. It's just the way it works. And um, there's a um, an auction based market. We can go say, all right, I want to go buy some debt, or I need, or I need some money. And it's an auction based system. So, all right, yeah, no, I remember all this. So this is a funny story. Yeah. So just imagine like an eBay type system. Now, um, what has never happened before, never, ever, ever in this auction based system, is that someone said, okay, um, I've got some debt, or I need to finance, uh, or I need to, or I want to get rid of this. An auction has never failed. Unfortunately, in the fine print of all of these auction-based uh, uh, credit vehicles, it stated that if the auction fails, then all of a sudden the interest rate goes up to 20%. And this just happened with uh, the New York um, uh, Port Authority. And then auction failed, and now they're screwed because they're sitting with this debt that is costing them 20% in interest. And it's going to bring the entire $300 billion dollar um, auction-based uh, credit market down to its knees because you know no one no one trusts debt anymore. They don't know who to trust. It's all about the trust. Everyone's no one's got good credit in the banking world. They're all afraid to borrow from uh, from each other. Hmm. Yeah, well, the banks are always behind the, these it, these problems. Well, of course, you know, they, they get are. greedy. The next thing you know, they all think you know they're. Uh... My son is goes to the school Evergreen. Which is a, um, I don't know, from what I can tell, it's a socialist institution. <laughs> Damn but, uh, commies. <laughs> but, you know, I kind of like think it's, you know, I think kids, in, especially in college, should, you know, get as much of this out of their system as they can. Yeah. But he, I guess he's taking an economics course from some guy who I guess doesn't follow the litany of all this. And he's like, uh, got this whole thing. I got to find out the details because it. His whole theory of everything is how Clinton is actually the guy responsible for all this economic turmoil we're, we're in. Hmm. And based on the fact that Clinton cut loose all those old rules from the 30s, yeah. you know, that would keep us from going into a depression and all that kind of stuff and let mm-hmm. the banks do whatever they want. Yeah. I mean, why is the bank of it? You know, I remember when I was a kid and it was forever, you couldn't have uh, any national banks you had you know the bank of america was in california and the city bank was in new york and there was banks in all these different states now you go anywhere you can find a bank of america or city bank branch anywhere in the whole country hmm. and yep. so they be- became consolidated now they're all like you know the bank of america is you know bought by some other bank which has bought another bank and they're all like consolidating this all it is is just in from databases it's unbelievable it's just- so Northern Rock in the UK was uh, was nationalized after all, which is surprising to me because I really thought Richard Branson had it locked down with some Chinese money. I was wrong on that. Um, interesting report, though. Our friends from the Register uh, in the UK, register, the register.co.uk, um, had a post that there's a uh, two things. One is there's a paragraph in um, in the in the documentation of the nationalization, you know, documents or whatever it is that says that the bank shall be exempt from any freedom of information requests, which I find highly suspicious. That's weird. And the other thing that was kind of funny is the guy they've parachuted in to run the bank is a non-domiciled resident. <laughs> it wasn't Wolfowitz, was it? No, 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 no. Uh, I forget the name of the guy. Uh, I should look it up. But he, so he's going to be dealing with all this, all that tax crap that I'm going to go through in uh, in a couple of months when it happens. I just thought that was kind of ironic. 
But uh, the fact that uh, you can't do a freedom of information request on them is uh, is interesting, to say the least. I don't know. I mean, I'm reminded of the, I just did this on Tech 5, um, the uh, the guys who did WikiLeak. Yeah, that's the, uh, the the wiki site that uh, had a whistleblower site, right? It's a whistleblower site. And so some judge, because of some whistleblowing they did about a Cayman Island bank, it wasn't even an American property, some American judge essentially shuts down the site, which is like, why? Yeah. And then, you know, unless he had money there or he was part of this scheme. Uh, so he shuts down the site. So they end up having to reposition the site and, and open it up again in Sweden. Yep. By the guys who did Pirates Bay, you know, and, the, and I'm thinking, I think I mentioned this, is it's kind of pathetic when, you know, the land of the free and the home of the brave and we <laughs> brag about free freedom, freedom of information. Of, yeah, all the rest yeah. of we have to do our our work in Sweden. Yeah. Sweden, by the way, one of the few countries that did not participate in a lot of the EU stuff, including the Euro. Yeah, they didn't, but they did join. They, like, oh, yeah, they're members, yeah. Norway, which was the real smart money, they just <laughs> stayed out. And Switzerland. <laughs> hey, we got uh, some feedback. People are getting much better at it, John. They're in and out. You want to, uh, want to hear one or two of these? Yeah, sure, run them. Okay, this is, um, well, I'll just run them. We'll see what we got here. Hi, Adam. Hi, John. Mike Pico here. Uh, love to get your take on on this story uh, because I really love listening to No Agenda and the uh, directions that you guys take a conversation. Um, you can make the inane interesting, so I hope <laughs> you take that as a compliment. Anyway, uh, looking at a couple of recent news stories, and I'm seeing that, you know, five cables undersea cables were cut and i'm also seeing as many as nine uh when i googled it uh some some Mm. articles are saying as many as as nine have been cut somewhere and then the more recent uh spy satellite in 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 space was having a little bit of trouble staying in orbit and it effectively died it was no longer under control and they once they had a window shot it out of the sky um Quite effectively, I might add. And there's been speculation, and I think I even heard Adam mention it, that that was kind of a big, here you go, we can do it, kiss our ass, um, which I would tend to agree with. But when you factor in the the cables cut, uh, I believe in one of the stories that I read about those cables being cut is some of the traffic was redirected to satellites. Um, Is it me, or does it seem like this is just the United States saying, okay, if there's cables that don't work for your internet and you want to reroute it to space, we'll just blow your birds out of the sky. Just a thought. Like to hear you guys take on it. Once again, I really enjoy the show. Thank you much. Bye bye now. So you have a theory about the cables? I thought it was well, interesting. I, I he was wrote adding a column that on Market Watch. You can anyone out there can read it. We ran a couple of weeks ago. Go to marketwatch.com and look my columns up, and you'll find it. Um, it was kind of a sketchy. I mean, I was. I mean, it wasn't a sketchy column from my perspective. It was kind of you know. I'm, glad they ran it because it was definitely coming from the perspective of a reader of the confessions of an economic hitman uh-huh uh, you know kind of a wacky idea and what it was and it was one of the readers that sent us or one of my listeners that or readers i don't know what sent me this note i credited him um in the column which was that there was going to be the opening of an iranian bourse to buy and sell oil in euros. Let me just explain. A bourse is uh, basically a, a, an exchange, like a it's stock, like a stock exchange. market. Yeah, it's commodities a, a exchange. Yeah, right. It's a commodities exchange, European style, and uh, 
and they were putting it up on this really cool island, which they're d- d- turning into a uh, free trade zone. The Iranians are just out, it's underwater somewhere, and it, it looked like it only had uh, access to. Uh, Unlike all the rest of these these guys that were cut off from this cable, this mysterious cable cutting, uh, everybody else could reroute, and at least they had some internet access, but this island was cut off completely. And so I started looking into it. I thought it was a good theory. I liked it. I liked the idea. And so then I started looking into it. I try, and there's a couple of really dynamite hotels they're building there. And so I called these places up. Or first I tried to email them, and I, all the email bounced. So I figured, well, I guess there is no internet Do you there. still have a copy of those bounces? Could you forward it to me? Because sometimes there's information in there that, that is pretty interesting. Uh, yeah, I think so. With the headers. Yeah, I, I think so. I need all the headers. I, I usually don't, yeah, I think I do still have okay. them. I probably didn't erase them. Okay. But anyway, so then, but then I tried calling him on the phone and there was no telecommunications at all. And the phones were <laughs> kind of blanked out too. So I just gave up on it after I tried three different hotels and I figured, well, I guess And, and by the way, can I just commend you for doing something actually journalistic as opposed to every other fucking pundit out there who was just like, boo boo. You actually well, did like some work. Most of the time, when you're a pundit like myself, you uh-huh. don't really have to do that kind of thing. But I didn't like. I don't like uh, following leads uh, that don't that are just blue sky. I mean, if there's something that's you know, I don't want to be embarrassed. I, so I do some occasionally do some reporting, and so I'll you know when I have to to prove. Some, I mean, most of the time I'm just making you know I'm going to say well I the way I see it because it's some some just some thought. I don't need to report on that because it's just the way I'm thinking. But when it's something that supposedly happened, I have to report on it, which is the meaning I have to research it a little bit to make sure that I don't get somebody saying, I was, why didn't you just call us? We could have told you anything you wanted to know, exactly. you idiot. And so I did call and that's what I got. Nothing. I couldn't get through to anybody. So I figured, well, I guess this thing is cut and these guys are cut off. So the Boers didn't get to open on time and everyone thinks it's just a you know, the, the New York, there's actually the New York uh, oil guys, and then there's a big exchange in so, London. So the, so the theory is that not only were they going to trade, was it a new place to trade oil, but the big news, I thought, was that they were going to trade it in euros, which of course is right. a big deal because oil has always been traded in dollars or pretty much always been traded in dollars. Right. Although I have this thought that maybe they should start trading in euros and then bring the dollar back up. But I think they, I guess the dollar's going to sink more. They don't want to do that yet. Yeah. So, do you think that there's something to this satellite business that maybe that had to be I shot out? It's just out? a coincidence. Yeah. I mean, maybe there's something to it. But I, yeah, I thought that, there, I mean, everybody in the right wing community all believes that the only reason for shooting that satellite out of the air was. I mean, look, there's 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 a number of possibilities. One, the satellite needed to be shot out of the air because it was, you know, going to fall and land somewhere and they needed to do this. Is Does anybody think that's a possibility? It doesn't seem so. I think that may be the real reason. But there is also the thought amongst the right wingers that, you know, that China blew up a satellite. So we had to show them that we could do it, too. Um, I'm kind of there. I, I, I think that's... I'm not, uh, you know, I'm, not, I'm, I, I'm into the cable thing because it makes a lot of sense and it's a weird coincidence and there's no good reason for it. The satellite thing, there was good reasons for it and it makes, you know, yeah, we blew it up and maybe we were testing some stuff, but I think the satellite probably needed to be blown up. The thing was a, supposedly the size of a school bus and I guess it crapped out. Yeah. And you can't just have this thing floating around up there. And just to take and, it one step further, this happened on the night of the full lunar eclipse. I don't know if it has anything to do with it, but just another data point. I thought it was the day before. Oh, I could be wrong. 
the hell I think you're wrong I, on that, but I, I, I don't. I'm wrong. not absolutely sure. Um, they did. But, uh, they did send out NOTAMs notice to airmen because um, I know because Captain Chris called in the Daily Source Code. Oh, <clears throat> let me DailySourceCode.com. I'm learning, John. Um, uh, there was a notice to airmen that you couldn't fly uh, somewhere, you know, somewhere in the Pacific near Hawaii. Um, the FAA basically set up a, a temporary danger zone. And you weren't allowed to fly there. So that huh. was interesting. Well, my wife says that there was a uh, there was a um, a uh, at the time that the thing was supposedly shot down up in Washington State. There was a uh, a meteor uh, a meteor that impacted or something. Yeah. Well, well was the, did you is that what you heard a, a meteor? Yeah. In fact, uh, another pilot reported that he actually saw it impact. He saw it hit the hit the ground. Now. I presume it's a meteor, and I'm actually I'm amazed that I, you know, where are the pictures? Are, are there no people out there looking for this stuff? You know these things. I mean, I've seen things flat. You can't get the camera out fast enough. These things are going at like you know 100,000 miles an hour, guy, or 50,000 at least, or some. They just shoot by and blow up. I mean, you don't have time to take a picture. And they can be pretty small. They can be like the size of a baseball. Could still look pretty spectacular in the sky. I'm told. Right. Yeah. And, you know, where the meteor hit, I mean, you know, meteors are worth a lot of money if you can find one. Hey, now. Hey, aren't you, uh, hey what are you doing this weekend, John? Aren't you up in the area? I'm going to go up there looking for that meteor. <laughs> Make me some cash, cool. baby. Here's a follow-up um, on the discussion we had about uh, cotton T-shirts. Uh, wool, yeah, and wool. Wool, well, yeah, listen to this. You'll probably like this one. Hey, Adam, Chris Cochran here from Seattle calling about uh, your discussion on No Agenda about T-shirts and fabric and cotton and them wearing out. And uh, I just wanted to let you know that, uh, you know, it's not a seemingly uh, different thing. Uh, the cotton has changed in the last 25 years. I actually work in the, uh, the apparel industry, and uh, we create custom T-shirts, uh, my company does, and we have a hard time finding quality T-shirt material uh, that meets the same standards that you could get, like, say, 25 years ago. Uh, not too long ago, you could buy a nice, soft cotton T-shirt uh, from all U.S., you know, West Texas cotton, and it was just amazing. That same quality today sucks. Um, and, and it's the material itself. It's actually the fiber and the cotton itself that has changed, and nobody can tell us why. Uh, you just have a hard time finding that same quality uh, cotton uh, these days. Uh, just thought I'd let you in on that. Love, so, uh, no agenda. Yeah, I thought, thought that was pretty interesting. That's you, really interesting. You can't find good quality cotton. I mean, well, he says that you, you know he's talking about Texas, you know, American cotton, yeah. which is a little. I think you can still get good quality Egyptian cotton. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I still have some. I have some. Tea. I bought a T-shirt in Hong Kong years and years and years ago, and I still every once in a while it comes up in the cycle of wearing a T-shirt, and here it is. And then you put it on, it's like, oh, this thing is like cashmere, so and it just wears like forever, and it's a beautiful piece of cotton. That's a T-shirt, and so I mean, I'm sure that there's and and some of the cotton that I've seen that has, you know, it says Egyptian. You can still buy towels made from Egyptian cotton, and and it's like some of the best cotton. And he's talking about Texas cotton, which. Never, I don't think it's ever been that good. But what I thought was interesting about his comments were, was the fact that no one can explain why, why the quality has deteriorated. Yeah, Monsanto I, can't explain. I mean, maybe it's just a crappy something. You know, genetically they've changed the thing, and it's a, I don't know. 
Really? You think, I think somebody should look into this? Change genetically, change the cotton? Well, every, these well, I mean, days they're always every... screwing around with the seeds. Yeah. You know, to make this thing so there's, you know, so boll weevils don't eat it so much, or they poison, you know, some sort of a, you know, something that, huh. or give it more production, more productivity. I mean, they're always dicking around with these uh, non-food stuff uh, plants. While we're on the topic of clothes, um, there was a, an article in the Financial Times. Um, a week ago, I think, where retailers in uh, the United States and Europe are now uh, putting together, you know, like almost like uh, open letters to uh, uh, to makers of of apparel, um, saying, "Please do not forget us here in the United States. Uh, do not forget about our fashion trends and our needs, because apparently, all these apparel makers, certainly the higher mid to higher end." are no longer making clothes for the Americans and Europeans for their sizes and styles and tastes. They're all focusing on China and other Eastern countries, which, by the way, is the reason why I can't get any clothes in my size anymore. Yeah, you're tall. Tall and skinny. And you but just- you're not that tall or, and not that skinny. I mean, it seems to me that if you, and you're, I mean, you're tall and skinny, but you're not you're not like six eight. No, but and there, and there aren't a lot of people like me, or just not enough, and they just they've given up. They're just not making it anymore. I have to. I think I'm going to have to result. You know, resort to uh, to having stuff tailored. Well, uh, well, you can afford it. That's not the point. <laughs> it's discrimination. It has to no, stop. Well, it is discrimination. Hey, that which reminds me of something. Since we're talking about on this subject. So we remember last week or the week before talking about gold toe, and I had these cashmere socks that were all that didn't work. You yeah, know, I have a comment toe, on that too. Yeah, okay. North Carolina, but so you know, I said this is like you know, this is the best we can do in the United States. Now is we just make socks. That's pretty much our business. Somebody <laughs> sends me a note from North Carolina saying, "Hey, you get a clue, John? The gold toe company and all their manufacturing is moving to Mexico." Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Now we make nothing. <laughs> we we make no make agenda. We, we, we make bits and bites. Here, check this out. Hold on a second. Adam, John, you don't know about the infamous sock industry. Try this. Take a metal detector and put it over your socks. If you're real lucky, every now and then you'll get a little blip. That's the transporter transponder inside the socks. They're heat activated. When you put them in the dryer, one of the socks steams out and gets sent back to the factory to be resold. And so every time you wash your socks, one comes up missing. That causes you to have to buy more socks. You got to learn this stuff, Adam. <laughs> yeah, well, that's our that's our kook. actually our normal listener. Yeah, <laughs> that guy. He's a that kook. guy. Yeah, that's that is the listener. <laughs> yeah, that's that's him. So anyway, uh, so I was a little distressed by that. It's just, geez, you know, I mean, they're already making money. They're in Costco. They got all the distribution they need. What is it about that? What is it happening that they have to move to Mexico? And it can't be cheap to, to pick it's gotta up. It's got to be price. That's the only reason to do it. Yeah, but it's got, what does it cost to take and close down a huge factory in North Carolina and haul your butt down to Mexico and rebuild down there? I mean, it just doesn't make a lot of economic sense to me. Over the long haul, I don't know. Well, I'm, I don't know anything about manufacturing, uh, but it seems that unless the factory's fallen apart and they have to retool anyway, there must be some. There must be something good we make in America. What do we make here? What do we make that's that's really? Well, we make the, the we make jets and bombs. We're yeah, really good at yeah, that. Yeah, that's and awesome. We, yeah, and we make a lot of. Uh, we like to blow stuff up. Yeah, and we make uh, we make the, the high end chips are still mostly made in this country. They're really pricey ones. And um, uh, 
I don't know. There's got to be some other stuff that's really big brooms, industry. I think we make brooms some places. Uh, we make uh, great flashlights. We make mag light. They're still made in America. Mag light. That's mag one light. thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, well, you know, I guess entertainment. We do a lot of entertainment, a little too much of it. That, that's got to be it. You know, and, and, we, and of course, uh, country and Western and jazz are pretty much American We inventions. make cars, too. We do make cars and vehicles. I mean, even though a lot of them are made by Honda and, you know, like uh, Toyota, but they have factories here. So I think that counts. I think we're losing out. I think we're really losing out in the car business. Well, I, mean, I don't think our cars are that have ever been really that good. Although I have to say, you know, even though I my main car is, and a car I really think is one of the, I still think the Japanese make the best cars, and I have a, I've been driving a Lexus for a couple of them, and I think it's one of the best cars I've ever owned, even though it's kind of fallen apart after being as old as it is. But it is a a trash pit on wheels. It is. I'm going to get it detailed. You know what's going to happen? Next time you see that car, it's going to have been detailed, and you're going to say, did you get a new car? In did fact, that, I, in I, fact I, I don't even believe you actually have a home. I think you live in that thing. It looks... It's actually... But you haven't been in it recently. I actually cleaned it out because i got to take it to the detailer. What do you mean? I, I, I was in it just earlier this week when we went to our place to go have dinner. Oh, there's a couple of things in the... I mean, so I have a box of, of you know... I, I go to Costco, and I don't take the stuff out of me. What's that sign you keep showing me? I forget what it says. You have a sign oh, in a your no car. a parking sign I always carry in the car. <laughs> <laughs> oh man anyway let's get back to the anyway so but we have a, a dodge uh, caravan we've had a couple of them mm-hmm. which is a minivan which is you know the car that men should never be driving but i have to say it's you know a very out, you know it's an outstanding vehicle even though it had to go into the shop a lot but it, in terms of like being a good functional car they're they're actually not bad yeah, I, I, I also like Volvos. I think it's you know even though they they used to be stodgy. They're actually kind of sporty now, with at least minor on a minor basis. Mm-hmm. But I was up at the factory in Gothenburg, Sweden, and went around the track and all the different cars, all the different versions they made. And they have some diesels that they don't bring over here that just go like a little rocket ships. It's amazing. Well, you not you can't buy a new diesel in California, right? Isn't that some kind of law that they that they can't sell any new diesel cars, only old ones? I don't know. Yeah, I thought. I, I think there's a rule. Something you can't buy a new. There's some, there's some California regulation about it. I'm a big fan of diesel. Uh, I love it because you know those things were intended to basically you can piss in in the tank and it'll run. You know, it's 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 a whole different and they system. Built to go three hundred thousand miles and that kind yeah. of thing. But I have to say, these new diesels, which are in Europe and not in the United States, are astonishing. You could put somebody in one of these things, and if you didn't tell them it was a diesel, they wouldn't know. They wouldn't know. Nope. They have the same response as any gasoline engine, yep. and they just go faster than crap. And the balance uh, of the engine is good. It doesn't, you know, ping around like they used to. You know, the big thing in aviation now: everyone's switching to diesel engines in their airplanes. That's that's a real big uh, a real big trend I'm seeing happening. Hmm. Yeah, it's uh, and of I course that. you. Do, oh no! Oh man! All the new all the new airplanes you can choose. You can choose uh, most of them. You can choose if you want a diesel engine or not. And and it's mainly done obviously for cost. I'm going to have to look into the, um, I used to work at Union Oil and we used to do, I was in, a, in the chem, I was a chemist and we used to do a lot of testing. Of, <laughs> Were you a chemist fuel. in college as well? <laughs> chemist major? Well, My favorite. Kind. I always hung out with those guys. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, yeah, you would. <laughs> and well, you should. But anyways, that, so we tested a lot of fuels and stuff and there was always in the, you know, one of the things that you, when you have these octane ratings is based on this thing called a knock engine that you put the fuel through and it would start knocking at a certain point and it would be rated at, at whatever. And they used to be actually uh, 
two ratings, uh, road and something else that used to be on the pumps and they took, took them off or they make a combination number. But anyway, the, uh, the diesel stuff was always, you know, there's something changed with diesels to make these new hot rod engines. And I'd like to know, because I've been out of it for so long, I'd like somebody to explain to me or send me an email explaining why these diesels are so, they're so different. I mean, they're amazing. I don't think, well, the, the principle is the same. I think they've just gotten uh, better balance. Um, uh, the, the, all the diesels that you're talking about, I'm sure, are turbocharged. If they have that amazing pickup, they've got to be turbocharged. So there's a lot of, uh, I think they've done a lot of improvements in that. Um, I don't know. It's just the whole thing seemed peculiar to me that the, these engines are so nice. You should look it up. To me, a diesel's always been a piece of crap. You know, the things take forever to warm up. They shake. Oh, you don't have to do any of that anymore. No pickup. You know, they make a bunch of noise and they belch black smoke. That's to me is a diesel engine. (laughs) Uh, You you must get out more. Things have changed, Danny (laughs) Kay. Things have changed since you've been writing the history of music. It's really quite quite different. Well, that's for sure. I have to say. I was actually more amazed by the little diesels that they had at the Volvo place than the Volvos themselves. I mean, my, the, my, the first, uh, my first three cars that I ever owned were all uh, Volvos. I, I'm a big fan. I mean, you don't get laid when you're driving a Volvo, but... Well, actually, the new ones are pretty cool. Oh, cooler looking since no, Ford not. took them over. They, at least they have some lines. There's some no, organic they're lines. Not. They're not so boxy as no, they used to be. Ugly. They're all ugly. No, I don't know. No, they're not Just, pretty at all. No way. Uh, I'm not, not, I didn't. In fact, that big SUV one, I think, is a nice car, too. And by the way, you know, I don't give a crap about cars anymore. That just went away all of a sudden. I just yeah, don't care. Yeah, apparently when your wife sold the collection. Yeah, <laughs> but it was kind of before that. I mean, I, I didn't mind that much. Cause like, yeah, you're probably right. Who, who gives a shit about cars? And now I'm, I don't even want to drive. Let someone else drive me. I'm so yeah, tired Yeah, well, that's you in the limo. No, I don't have a limo. I don't have which limos which reminds me of a, 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 an interesting observation. Okay, so we did cranky geeks last Wednesday. Yes, which and by the way, thank you very much for having for having me on. I thoroughly enjoyed myself, and I was prepared. Yeah, well, we I had really you and it. Leo Laporte on at the same time, and everybody was jacked up about thinking that was going to be good, and uh, and it was. It was a good conversation. And Leo was at one of his. He was at his best because Leo actually is very knowledgeable. Oh hell yeah. uh, And sometimes it's fun to listen to him. You know, he's looking at stuff all the time. Sometimes it's fun to hear what he actually thinks. So, um, but but there was a there's a moment there that, and I've done this a million times because if you work in radio or broadcasting ever, this this kind of thing comes up where Leo had gone into a, a little uh, commentary about how your limo and entourage was blocking the street. <laughs> yeah out in front of the place and it was a pain in, in the butt for him to find a Parking place to place. park <laughs> and he was moaning about it and i of course as soon as i you threw some threw some gas on the fire there i immediately without missing a beat uh added to the to the malarkey by going on about the fact that you it was a stretch hummer or something i don't know what i but it was just a bunch of, i said you know i can't believe you know i as long as i've known this guy adam i can't believe the crap that he's just always driving around with a bunch of girls it's oh, ridiculous i wish, I wish. So, you know so anyway so i go on and on like this and i really you know, i was thinking about that only in radio or even tv where you're actually doing a show about facts can you go off with a bunch of bull that's got nothing to do with anything. It's just clowning around 
and you know, playing you know Stan Freeberg kind of ad libbing because you can do anything you want. Yeah, we've done this on radio before. Like, you, you'll sit on a radio show with somebody and say, "So do you always sit in the studio like this naked?" Right, and right, then right. and if the guy picks up on what you're where you're headed with this humor, he goes, "Yeah, I usually do. I sometimes I, I wear a jock strap, but most of the time I, it's just kind of nice to be in here. And you know what? The studio's so warm in here <laughs> yeah. that I ha- I really it's more comfortable to be naked because I when I was wearing clothes, I'd always be sweating a lot. <laughs> it's theater you know, of the mind, John. That's what it is. And, right, exactly. And so, but you do this, and then you do like you can't do this with writing. Uh, there's this kind of thing, and and what does the public think? You know, I'm always, it's it's like, this is, this is not, none of this is factual. It's all just bull. And is, I'm always wondering how. (laughs) I think they're, I think they're immune to it. I think it's, it's just, they're numb. Or does anybody believe it? I mean, how many people were listening to that thought that you did have a limo parked out there blocking traffic? I wonder. Um, I I think there's certainly a, a, a fair amount of people who would buy it. I think so. I think so too, and it's disturbing. <laughs> well, guess what, folks? It's not true. No, you walk. Or actually, you came over in the car with the Ron, Ron Blue. Yeah. No, but I, I walk everywhere now. I, I don't own a car in San Francisco anymore. They uh, they compacted Trinity. I think my uh, my my diesel uh, my biodiesel uh, station wagon. <laughs> biodiesel is the way to go in California. Yeah, I like Sing it. Smells like a French fry machine it when was it goes lovely. down the street. It was lovely. I loved her so much. But it's just a hassle. It was. It was just an old car. That's the problem. Old cars. You know, it's just big hassle. No good. And now my daughter, of course, you know, she's about to take her test for her license, and she wants a car. And this is a huge. Um, I think conundrum is the is the right word. Uh, I said, well, look, I don't drive at all. I'll, I'll give you the Jag. You know, you can. I'll put it in your name. You can have it. It, and she's like, no, I don't want the Jag. I want a nice little cute girly car. Uh, and, I, and that's what every parent doesn't want. I don't want my kid driving around some fucking tin can. You know, I wanted to have some, uh, you know, in fact, I'd like her to drive a tank, honestly. <laughs> you know, <laughs> here's a Sherman tank. You pull this, the way you do it is you pull this way to go right and you pull on this other track. It goes left. Here, have a Hummer, baby. <laughs> Please drive. Oh, by the way, in the UK, you know, they had that congestion charge. You know about this, where oh, yeah. um, you have to pay money to drive into the city if you come within a certain zone. So now they want to change that to the CO2 emissions charge. Ugh. And depending on the uh, type of automobile you have, the daily rate will be 25 pounds, $50 to drive into the city, $50. Wow. And Porsche is, is now going to sue the city if they actually make this happen. <laughs> they don't want all their uh, clientele to be screwed but it's just huh. in- interesting to see that you know the co2 emissions and i put lots of question marks you know about the measurement of the stuff and and what it really means and you know what does it really mean to global warming and of course i have my own questions about global warming in general it you know it's just yeah it's it's messed up yeah well a lot of people think it's just a scam uh I mean, it's like, I think there is a climate change happening. You can tell it. I mean, you've talked to winemakers anywhere in the world. They'll tell you this. Those things have changed, but it's improved 
things for the most part. For wine, with, <laughs> that's the good oh, news. Oh yeah, especially the German wines. Man, these uh, things have come on. Really? No, oh, German wines, which are always like, you know, they've always made good sweet uh, white wines. The reds have never been any good. But now, but and even the sweet whites are always kind of you know hit and miss. But in the last, I don't know, the last almost up to the last ten years, they're making tremendous red wines, which is really weird. Nobody even believes it until it's proven to them. And they're making this just one great vintage after another of some of these ter- just terrific white wines that are just and they're well priced and this and, and it's kind of an overlooked area because if people don't understand them they keep changing their labeling laws and uh i just stunned stunned and i think this is the same thing's going to happen in oregon washington especially oregon pinots and maybe burgundy it looks like burgundy's having a string of really great and which is an area that make pinot noir uh and it's always under ripe and they're crappy for the most part except the really good ones and, and are these um, are these young vintages that you're talking about that are really good or the older vintages no no they're starting around in burgundy it started around i'm yeah about 99 you know something like that maybe 95 96 i'm it's Mm. somewhere somewhere around the mid 90s or but but by the beginning of the turn of the century uh it was almost like they're hitting every year as a great year Mm. 2005 being the most recent super year uh in burgundy bordeaux and every place else um it's just you know you just drink these wines when you get a hold of one even though they're not ready to drink yet and you go, holy crap, I haven't tasted anything like this forever. Mm. Well, next time um, next time I'm in town, we'll have to have one. And you have not introduced me to a good German wine. Yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> yeah, no. Ju- <laughs> Dude, the problem is finding a good German wine in a restaurant in San Francisco is probably a little difficult. Uh, although I think there's probably a few places that know what they're doing. So are we gonna are we gonna have time to have dinner uh, next week before I uh, head back? Yeah, Wednesday would be good. Wednesday, okay. We should try one, shoot for Wednesday. You know what? Look in- around, the, look ahead. around the area and see if there's any place that would have a German wine. Because I mean, you would knock your socks off. Right. A good German wine is astonishing. Okay, we have to. You know what, John? You know what's amazing? We have uh, done uh, seventy-three minutes of show, and we have once again succeeded in not talking about one single thing we said we were going to talk about. Yeah, well, maybe next week. Well, because I lost my notes, so that doesn't help. <laughs> I do remember we were going to talk about CDI. I remember that. Uh, oh, CDI, right. You still, oh, I mean, man. Let me write a note down and, and put yeah. it someplace where, <laughs> where you'll lose, where you'll lose it. Because our, uh, our music is coming up, John. That means it's uh, time to end the show, unfortunately. Yeah, the CD-ROM is full. <laughs> I, actually, what I have to do now is I'm going to take out uh, some... Uh, uh, frozen, uh, frozen pizza. I'm gonna heat that up, and I'm gonna watch these <laughs> two movies you gave me on uh, on CD CD ROM. I'm gonna watch DVD. those tonight. A uh, uh, DVD. I'm sorry, and uh, the conspiracy shit, right? No, just actually documentaries. I, oh, I know you're a big fan of the, of the documentary. I love the documentary. No, I sure. All do. All right, well, have that frozen pizza. I've got to go do uh, Tech Five. I'm behind again. Oh, holy moly! All right, John, uh, thank you very much. Uh, thank you, everybody who's uh, been listening. Uh, we'll do it again uh, next week. Coming oh, to by you. By the way, what I, I do, before you sign off, which mm-hmm. you're going to do in a second, I want to remind everyone, I, I've actually, we've got a tech5report.com website. It's T-E-C-H-F-I-V-E report.com, which we're experimenting with. You should check it out. 
Okay, and also uh, you should look at uh, Dvorak.org slash cagematch where you can get the full show notes uh, for each individual um, no agenda since, of course, I'm too lazy to do it. Uh, right, Bubba that- loves Bubba. doing it, and he's our, he's our hero. Bubba the Love Sponge? <laughs> Bubba the Love Sponge. You never yeah. heard that? <laughs> no. Oh, man, and every... Yeah, of course. Remember we were talking about morning zoos? The, oh, right. It's one of those morning zoo characters. There's always a guy out there on uh, Sticker Patrol. We got Bubba the Love Sponge. Bubba, come on in. Cool. Yeah. I'm sure Bubba will love this attention. I'm sure he will. <laughs> All right, everybody. Uh, that's it for uh, for another week. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Uh, from the Curry Condo overlooking the bay, I'm Adam Curry. And from Northern California, I'm John C. Dvorak. We'll talk to you again next week on No Agenda.